Daft About Craft, the Craft Beer Podcast. This is Hannah from Hall Beer Specialists in the Great Western Arcade in Birmingham, and we're the proud sponsors of Daft About Craft. Welcome along to episode 40. 4-0. Can't believe we're here. Episode 40 of Daft About Craft, the Craft Beer Podcast with me, Dave D. And me, Dave B. Thank you for joining us. And what promises to be another action-packed episode. Lots and lots and lots going on. I poor tripe with a difference. Dave's dog's just walked in, so he knows we've started recording. On cue, that was. Perfect. Uh, who are we talking to this time, Dave? There's somebody from your neck of the woods. Yeah, so this time we have Biochemist Brewery from Berry St Edmunds, which are a mere half an hour away from me. Luke and Rachel, another husband and wife pairing, which we do find have a great track record in craft beer from our previous experiences. They join us to talk about how they're putting everything together. It is on a small scale, but you can buy their beer and... As you'll see from the interview, we would highly recommend it. Yeah, really, really good beers. The great thing for people like us who hate paying postage, or people like me hate paying postage when I buy beers, uh, their postage is free and you can get their beers on a national level. So wherever you are, you can get hold of their beers and try them out for yourselves. We have also got The Brewer's Wife coming up. Tried and tested, where we reveal our favourite beer since our last episode. Like I say, hypo tripe with a difference. Stay tuned for that. And we're going to kick it off with the way we always do, with Brew to Me. So we should just say at this point that when we did our Brew to Me special, it went down really well and people love love the little segments where we got the brewers in, people from the brewery to talk. So we're going to keep that thread going forward so each time we pick a beer somebody from the brewery will be coming along to talk about themselves and the beer so who have you got dave i have lake down brewing company from sussex and i got in touch with chris from the brewery who has very kindly sent me some beers and a hat which Dave is intensely jealous about and it's a very good hat actually I do do really like it going forward any breweries listening to this if we contact you to come on brew to me don't be sending him any more hats he's got enough I need the hats I've got less hair than him as well so arguably I really do need the hat to keep my head warm but what would you rather have a brewery hat or a brewery got a bit of glassware and you can't have both Mm, I was going to say both Mm, probably glassware Mm, there you go then keep the hats my way please But anyway, to the beer, what they do is primarily they pride themselves on doing sessionable and drinkable beers, which is a very good combination. So I thought, where better place to start with their beers than their pale ale, which is 4.2%. They say it's an American pale, our homage to our favourite taste of California, an American classic packed full of the finest Cascade, Chinook and Citra. Mm-hmm. We've created this beer to be easy drinking, sip after sip of West Coast sunshine. And while I get this open... Wow, you should have seen that can, everyone. It absolutely sprayed everywhere. At least it didn't spray over the computer, though, Dave. No, it didn't. It was mostly me. Well, that serves you right, doesn't it, for bragging about your app. <laughs> right, well, while Dave goes and dries himself off, here's Chris to tell us all about Lake Down. 
Hi, I'm Chris Rule from Lake Down Brewing Co, based in Burwash, which you probably hadn't heard of. That's just outside of Heathfield, which again, you probably hadn't heard of that either, which is, well, not that far from Eastbourne, which you may have heard of. In beer terms, east of Harvey's, some distance west of Shepherd Neem, and northwest of Burning Sky, frankly, in the middle of nowhere, and we quite like it like that. We're based on a trout fishery and are currently in the process of building a new brewery, which we hope to be open towards the end of the summer this year, 2023. So music is very much in our DNA, and you'll see that in a lot of our branding, beer names, and evidenced in our work with the music industry. In fact, my brother-in-law and business partner, Des, plays a big part in putting the lineup together for the annual Teenage Cancer Trust gigs at London's Royal Albert Hall, something that brings its fair share of stress, asking world-renowned bands to play for free. I think that's helped by pressure from my other partner and father-in-law, Roger Daltrey, who's done a few things in the music world over the years, and the lineup at Late Down is completed by his son, Jamie. In terms of beer, we're very much focused on sessionable beers and are inspired by the traditional and modern-day classics, but allowing ourselves enough freedom to put our own spin on them. I don't know what the biggest revelation was there, Chris being related to none other than Roger Daltrey, or you spraying your can all over yourself, before Chris started talking, um, goodness me, that was exciting. But as you as you saw, that was <laughs> spectacular. It um, was. Explo- it was explosion. like a, it was like a a liquid firework. Okay, so the, the beer itself is actually. So this is an American pale. That's actually quite clear. It's striking me so maybe it's more of a West Coast. It looks wise, absolutely. And also the hops as well, with the sort of hops that usually give a bitter edge would suggest West Coast as well. And you would be right. That's not all the way full West Coast, piney, resinous, bitter, but it's going that way. It's not really got a lot of fruit. It is more that it's it's refreshing because it's crisp. It's sessionable because it's low ABV and you'd keep drinking it. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say this isn't a West Coast. Like they've said, it's an American pale, and I think that's I mm. think that's I think that's fair. When I think West Coast, I'm with you. I think it should be about six seven percent. Mm, mm. And this definitely doesn't taste like that. It is rounded. As I say, it's not fruity in the slightest. It's not grassy or anything. It's it's clean. It's crisp. It seems to me maybe an American pale with a big nod to the uh, to the West. Yeah, definitely. It's it I, for me. It's heavily West influenced. Yeah, I think the Cascade and the Chinook. They're not to the fore, but there's not masses of citra in there. I mean, the main takeaway from that was the <laughs> explosive nature of the can. Like, as I, as I'm at pains to say, I'm not. I don't blame Lake Down for that. Mine just have been mine was slightly overpressurized, or it got bumped around when on its way, and it just set it off. But <laughs> I've never what, had though, a can explode like that. You're not going to forget that beer. No, I'm not going to forget that beer. Absolutely. Right now, I do have a New England IPA. In fact, I've got two beers. I'm going to do two beers from my brew to me this time. Oh, okay. Because they're kind enough to send me a couple, and I want to try both of them. And the reason being is because we've got two people from the brewery coming on to talk, one about the brewery and the other about the beers. So I thought, well, I'll have one to go with each section. And I'm going to start off with this one. Like I say, it's a New England and the brewery is State of Kind Bruco, and they are based in wonderful Wigan. State of Kind, on their cans, they say, This world can be a crazy place, but remember, better is always possible, and together we make the difference. Stand up for what's right, help each other, lift up our communities, and above all, don't be a dick, just be kind. I like that. 
Did I actually say don't be a dick on the can? It does. Okay. Oh, wow. I can... Right. It's about two feet away from me, and I can smell that New England goodness. So we're expecting this to be fruity, hazy. Wow, look at that. Oh, yes. Very nice, deep yellow colour. Lots of Mm. little bubbles on the top. Smells awesome. Yeah, your New England should be juicy, shouldn't it? Juicy, bit of bitterness, Mm -hmm. and that... That fulfills a brief very nicely there. 6.8% this is, and it's called Last by the Pool. Have you heard of State of Kind, Dave? I was trying to think if I have, uh, and I I don't think I have. I think I'm confusing them with um, other people. So, no, I definitely, I've definitely had none of their beers. Well, I came across them on Instagram, got in touch, and John, who runs a brewery, got back to me, and he really kindly sent this voice note. So have a listen to what John says. We'll see you on the other side. Hi there, I'm John Rawcliffe. I'm the owner and founder of State of Kind Brew Corp, based in Sunny Wigan, which is in the northwest of England. We initially set the brewery up as a contract brewery. Um, we did this for many reasons. We wanted to test the market, wanted to get our brand out there, and we wanted to make sure we could make it viable before committing to our own brew kit. Unfortunately, contract brewing was a disaster for us. Um, The quality and standard of beer just was not what we expected or wanted to put out. We decided we needed to bring the whole process in-house as soon as possible and ordered our own 10-barrel brew kit in January 2022. At this time, we also hired our head brewer, Stu, and he will be introducing the beers we sent to you in a little bit. After months of delays, we finally took delivery of our kit in June and we quickly got about installing it and commissioning it. We brewed our first beer on the kit in the second week of August 2022, and we haven't looked back since. Uh, we also set up our own tap room at the end of August, uh, and that's been amazing. Um, it's going from strength to strength and probably be the best decision we made. Um, so up to now, I think we've made 16 beers on the kit. We've ranging from 4.5% session pails to 14% stouts. Uh, and we've just released our first smoothie sour, uh, which went down an absolute storm. Um, feedback we've been receiving from our beers from the tap room and untapped uh, has just been fantastic. Uh, and we're just really super proud of what we've done in such a short space of time. Up to now, we've only really been producing in kegs. However, uh, we did our first canning run just before Christmas last year. Uh, the cans you have now actually are from this first canning, uh, canning run. Uh, so I hope you really enjoy them. Thanks to John there for the lowdown. It's quite amazing to think that these guys have only been going since sort of the second half of last year and only canned for the first time in December. In fact, these cans here are their first cans. And they're really good. Well, this one is. I'm going to open the other one in a minute. So this was Citra and Idaho 7 here um, in this. Very nice. Amazing to hear that State of Kind have already got a tap room as well which, by the sounds of it, is proving really core to their business. That is some going. They've obviously hit ground running, like you say, to have a tap room and to be canning this quick and it to only be, what, February now. So with that Citra Idaho 7, did you get much of the Idaho 7? I think when I opened the can, that smell hit me. I think that was the Idaho 7 getting involved there. It's used as a aroma hop. So I think a lot of that flavour and aroma was coming from there. Known for their juicy tropical fruit and citrus flavours, apparently, Idaho 7. And I, I would say that mm. that was all coming across really well. Um, well so, I've got, what's the second beer? The second one, we're going up in the ABVs here. Uh, this is <laughs> 7.5%. This is an IPA called Hello, Can You Hear Me? With a sort of cartoon rabbit on the front holding a telephone. 
Now, just before you start with that, just as a wider point, have you noticed that there seems to be a few 7% IPAs sneaking in now, which obviously occupy that space between 6 point something, and apparently a dipper is now dead, so 8%, no one wants it. But apparently, I've just noticed there's a yeah. bit of a shift to a few 7%ers. Yeah. You've got a lot now around the 3 to 4 area. Mm-hmm your sessionable pails, and then, yeah, instead of dippers now, you're getting 6 to 8% beers more and more. But you can't have it as an 8%. But 7.5, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it seems that way. Again, lovely yellow colour in the glass. A bit deeper in colour, I would say, from, from Yeah, my... Yeah, maybe, yeah. And um, with hops here, we've got four hops. So we have got Citra, Sim... Galaxy. Oh, interesting. No. Uh, the big three, Citra, Simcoe, and Mosaic, and Motueka, so New Zealand oh, hop as well. Oh, okay, okay. Mm, I like that. I like the other one. I think I maybe like this one even more. So Motueka, the aroma you get from that is distinctive, fresh, crushed citrus, a mojito lime character, lively lemon and lime tones. And that really comes across, actually. I wondered whether it'd get lost with the three other hops in there, but it doesn't. But very nice. Doesn't taste uh, 7.5% either. So I shall go slowly while we hand you over to State of Kind's head brewer. Hi there, it's Stu. I'm the head brewer here at State of Kind. I'll just introduce you to the beers which you'll be sampling tonight. Uh, the first beer is Last by the Pool, which is 6.8% uh, New England Hazy IPA, which are heavily dry hopped uh, with Citra and Idaho 7, and used Idaho 7 in the Whirlpool also. The second beer, which we're sampling, is Hello Can You Hear Me, which is a 7.5% IPA. Actually, Whirlpool this with uh, Citra and Simcoe, and heavily dry hopped with Citra, Simcoe, Mosaic, and Motueka. Hope you boys enjoy the beers, and thank you. Well, they are State of Kind's head brewer. They're telling us about these two beers. And I've got to say, really impressed with them, considering these are the first cans the brewery put out generally the trend would be you know they're going to get better and better as they fine tune and finesse each different batch they're going to tinker with almost certainly because this is what happens really bright start from them daft about craft now if you've ever wondered how we decide who comes on the podcast and who we speak to usually it's me and dave getting together having a little chat and thinking well we want to get this person on that person on but sometimes this can take quite a while and the people we've got on now, we first made contact with them about 12 months ago. And it's taken till now to finally get them on, with good reason, which we'll explain to you. Welcome to the podcast, Luke and Rachel from Biochemist Brewery in Suffolk. Hello. Hello, thanks for having us. It's all right, it's an absolute pleasure. And this is in your neck of the woods, Dave. You always tell me there's no craft beer in Suffolk. It's slowly undergoing a bit of an evolution and we're getting there. And obviously you guys are Red Lodge, which for those who know Suffolk is near Bury St Edmunds. We've talked to Artifact mm. and Burnt Mill, obviously. So we are getting there slowly. There's a few people now popping up. So how did Biochemist come about and what was the thinking to get into brewing? So Rachel had a small home baking business and we've met um, St Botos Brewery from Colchester. Yep. They were trading They were trading at a market in Ipswich and... Alan just so happened to be upscaling and selling his old equipment. And it was the idea of brewing on a more professional level was mulling around for quite a while. And I bought I bought his kit. And then it just sat in storage for quite a while. And then I had finished a research contract in Cambridge. This is the end of 2019. Well, so then I was looking for other jobs in science. Then COVID hit. And that was the time when I thought, okay, 
this is the time to convert the garage and make it into a, a proper nano brewery. Uh, so it's a COVID lockdown project. Use that time wisely. Yeah, we, we don't, we remember it differently because uh, I remember as soon as he finished his, his uh, bachelor's degree, he was talking about doing the brewery. Um, but then like one thing led to another and, and of course um, other things happened. But when lockdown hit, it was like the, the perfect opportunity. And I was well on board because um, um, Luke was making quite a lot of noise in the other room with the Xbox. So I was quite happy for him to have a project. Call of Duty uh, wasn't out around that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, there, was, uh, there was a lot of four letters, four letter words coming from the living room while Rachel was on conference calls. Yeah. Um, yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was back at uni. My mate started homebrewing, and that's when I caught on as well. I saw he was having a lot of fun. My, all of my brewing background is in cider, so it was messing around with different juices from different fruits, just making adjunct ciders, um, spices, herbs. I was dry hopping ciders uh, before I was making beer, actually. So there's not many breweries out there who do cider and beer. It's usually one or the other, but you're you're doing both. Cider was my main co- sort of beverage, really, when I was a, a young teenager. Yeah. Um, I just had a lot more fun throwing in all kinds of stuff with with an apple base and seeing the outcome. I was part of the so-called turbo cider community, where the idea is some, to get something alcoholic as fast as possible, but it often comes out. It doesn't come out very good, and, but then you can learn some lessons in patience and adding adjuncts and getting a better quality uh, cider with, you know, fairly cheap juice to begin with. But you can age a cider for several months and it gets so much better. So yeah, there was a lot of lessons learned before I started on beer. Are you working full time with the brewery now, or or, or are you still? <laughs> I was going to say no, we, we've still we got both... a real job. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, you know what both, I mean. We both work full time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Rachel, you can explain. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're both fully invested in, in our careers. Luke's uh, a scientist, and I work in financial planning, and we neither of us have any plans to give that up, but we also are really passionate about the brewery, and so we're just trying to balance everything at once at this point. So you're in the lucky position of still having this as a hobby, because a lot of the time it gets out of control, and what starts out as a hobby takes over your life, and before you know where you are, you're throwing everything at it, but you, you're happy to keep it as a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're in that middle ground where it's a yeah a hobby that like you know pays for itself and a bit extra, so you can put some money back into new pieces of equipment and stuff. We we um, do have plans to upscale it and make it larger. Uh, we want to quadruple our current capacity, um, but we never want to get so large that where we have to give up our careers for yeah. it. Basically, we we just want to be able to do it all. It's being in control yeah, as well, isn't it? Not not having, yeah. not getting other people involved, so you can you're on it all the time yourselves. I understand that completely. Yeah, Luke, you touched upon it there, or Rachel touched upon it for you with your your background and your job. So you are a scientist, which sort of obviously comes yeah. through in the name biochemist. And does that also it feels like that very much comes through in the approach to how you're brewing your beer? Yeah, I. For as long as I remember, I've always been interested in, I suppose, food chemistry. Just, I, I mean, I wish I had studied that, to be honest. I, I, I find a lot of pleasure in knowing the chemical makeup of food and how you can sort of sense that. So breaking down food on the molecular level. And yeah, so the labeling of the branding of the brewery is, mm. is around chemical structures. So that's something on the label, something you're smelling or, or tasting um, or, or both, really. So, yeah, I, I just find a lot of enjoyment in looking at some of the ingredients going into the beer and then understanding the, the individual components that give rise to aroma, 
and taste. Um, yeah, so I, I am. Yeah, I am a scientist. I my day job. I I think about life at the molecular level. I, my company's in the business uh, making biodegradable and edible materials from protein. We're all about restructuring proteins at uh, the molecular level uh, to, to something that resembles plastic and has the same functionality as plastic, but with all of the benefits of being biodegradable and renewable. So I, I get a kick out of work and, and I get a kick out of the brewing at the same time. It sounds like you're combining everything you love here in one in, in one garage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but brewing seems to be really popular among scientists. So in, in the company I work for, there's there's five of us, I think, and we're quite a small company. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it is really popular. It's like a, an opportunity to just tweak endless variables and, you know, look at the outcome. In all the people we've talked to, there's definitely been a, uh, without being patronising, there has been a mad scientist theme comes through. So, for example, then, I've opened while we've been talking, I'm drinking uh, the whip beer. On the front, we've got a molecular breakdown. What What's the background to this beer? Yeah, the, the Belgian vit has the, so there's two structures on there. One of them is apigenin. So that's a flavonoid from uh, chamomile. So that beer has chamomile infusion. Yep. Uh, yep. So I, I love drinking chamomile tea, so it was a no-brainer for me. And the other compound, it should be limonene. So that would be a very pleasant aromatic from the peels of citrus. So that, that beer has uh, chamomile, two types of orange peels, so curacao or curacao, however you mm-hmm. say it, and, and regular eating orange. And coriander, yeah. Dry, I, I dry fry the coriander first just to sort of get those oils um, moving around inside the seed before I crush them and then I throw it into the boil. Well, so, I can definitely yeah. taste all the chamomile. Like that really comes, which is lovely. It's a really nice take on, on a on a bit bit. And also I get the orange. I get, the, I say curacao, but I think you can, I think there's 18 different yeah. ways you can say it. I get that and I get the orange. It's a slightly deeper... Yeah. Than yeah. the Belgian one, if it more on the lighter side, so the, probably a bit lighter in colour and a little bit lighter in taste. But that's not to um, not to say I don't like this at all. Yeah, there's a bit of crystal in there to make it a bit darker and a bit a bit sweet. Right. Do you ever just do a simple beer? <laughs> <laughs> um, would would any, would any of them be considered simple? Maybe the maybe the amber. Yeah, I guess the amber. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah I've been playing around with the amber a lot. It's um, it is dry hops. With galaxy just a little bit it's very very modest dry hop um there's a couple of other hops at the end of the boil but yeah the amber i keep tweaking the amber i can't ever seem to be happy with it so yeah but it is i, it's, I it's, think it's, you tweak all of them Luke. <laughs> it's yeah. sounds familiar as well I, I think i think that any any brewer who says i oh, know we've done nothing we've done nothing to it this time it's the same as last time they're lying to you because everything gets tweaked mm. every time it's just too tempting isn't it just to not to just to try something a little bit different see if we can get something different smell here different taste here all brewers yeah. are the same i think yeah he did a he did an experimental saison and then since he did that one recipe he's thought about three or four different twists on that one recipe that he's he's going to eventually do just mm. just on one and that that's not including all the other um twists he's already done like that the the Heverweizen yeah. that he brews, he, he did a mango and pineapple version that was quite nice. Yeah, I plan on taking the, the five core beers, as it were, and, and just doing variations on, on a similar theme and then keep keep doing the official experimental series in the background. That's what I live for. This is what this is all about. It's just 
getting pumped for the next recipe and something new to make. Once you've brewed one, are you almost bored? Once it's actually been birthed, so to speak, it's then, well, okay, well, I've done that. I want to do the next one now. Like, I don't, uh, if it tastes fine, great, but I'd actually, I'm actually more excited about doing a recipe for another one and seeing how that turns out. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's very yeah it's cyclical. Yeah, motivation goes through the roof and then comes crashing down again. And yeah, it just goes round and round like that. With, with the underlying impatience the whole time, waiting for the the beer to carbonate and yeah. see how it turned out. So, what size sort of kit are you doing all this on them? It is a three vessel, one hundred liter kit. But the, the volume you get out of it's you know much smaller. So, um, I think I'm packaging around fifty five liters in cans. Oh right, okay. So it, yeah, you are yeah. As you said, it is nano then, very much so. Yeah, we we was bottling and then we we moved to cans so we can ship ship things out at a reasonable. Well, this uh, was this is one of the reasons why it's it's taken so long to get you on because you were really keen to wait mm-hmm. until your cans were available, and now they are. Yeah. Um, we've both got. A, I think I've got five or six different ones here. You've got you know really good selection on the website as well. Yeah, thanks. It, yeah, it did take a while to go from glass to cans. I'm just, I wanted to make sure I was happy with the can conditioning side of things. Um, you know, there's a couple of concerns moving away from glass. Mm. And yeah, so we hopefully we can upscale the, the kit in, in the existing space we have because there is plenty of room to upgrade and, and upscale. It's just um, you know, see how it goes and see when it's the right time to do that yeah as long as we can get the filler working because right now filling those cans takes so <laughs> long there's no way we're upscaling until we can get the filler working mm, properly yeah. is, is I, it, I was sorry dave i was going to say you canning at home just because yeah because yeah, i know um who is it uh in berry the beer house do 330 cans and i just wondered if you were using their their canning machine but you're doing all the canning yourself so it's very much everything hands on deck so one can at a time then presumably <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. it's a two-person job and uh, yeah. yeah one evening after work we squeeze it in yeah we we got home from work on monday and mm. um i made dinner and, and luke punched the beer out and then we ate quickly and then we until <laughs> I love this. This this, this really is craft beer, isn't it? Yeah. In its truest <laughs> sense. So what made you go for the 330ml cans? Because you don't see that many of them around, do you? I fell into 330 in glass just because I think at the time it, the equipment available to fill those those glass bottles was was just like more readily available and probably cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, and there's such a small batch size we produce. You get more more units so to speak per yeah. batch size so in a way you kind of get more out of it that actually nicely moves on to a question i wanted to ask which is what do you guys like drinking when you're if you're not drinking your own sort of what's your go-to styles or breweries because i've got an idea you might of who you might say but i'm interested to see <laughs> if it will bear out well when luke first came up with the idea of doing the brewery one of the conditions was that he first had to brew all the beers that i like to drink so the very first recipe, I believe, was the Hefeweizen, which mm. is my favorite beer style of all time. I'll drink that from anybody that makes it, um, but I also love Belgian styles. I'm a really big fan of Brewdog's Elvis juice. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it used to be stronger, didn't it? Yeah, they've, they've introduced an orange extract in addition to grapefruit as well. Got, yeah. That's quite an interesting story for me personally, because Elvis juice got me into grapefruit in a beer style. And I, I bought the grapefruit extracts and I realized that uh, through conditioning your beer, all of that amazing aroma and flavor just dis- disappears the substance or the group the, the compounds that give you that punchy flavor just go i think they're biotransformed they're just lost somehow through conditioning mm. 
um, yeah, anyway, got off track there. Yeah, so anyway, so those are the ones that I really love. Um, but Luke has a, a different different approach to beer. Yeah, I, I'm definitely coming around to Saisons because Rachel was the Saison fan initially. Yeah. Uh, we had the classic Saison DuPont the other evening. That, that was, uh, yeah, that was gorgeous. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I go around in circles. I, I, I am predominant, I would say I'm still a predominantly lager drinker. Um, but I know I can't. I can't produce a lager I'm happy with on the kit I've got, so I, I tend to just buy other other people's lagers. Um, I can't. I don't know. It's hard to pick out a favourite because you just go off things. You know, you, see, you you have something too much and then you'll move on. I think a beer that I keep coming back to over and over again is actually St Peter's Ruby Red from Norfolk, and that, mm. there's just something something about it, and mm. I think it's the rye character. There's a lot of rye in the grain bill and fermentation character. But it's just. There's something about that beer that really does it for me, and I, I keep coming back to that over the years. But uh, yeah, we've we had lots of interesting beers over Christmas. You got the good selection. Uh, yeah, I went and spent a lot of money at Beautiful Beers in Barry's at Edmonds. <laughs> Wonderful bottle shop. I've I was going to say, are they stocking you yet? Because that was going to be a question. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've really thought about that a lot. Um, I think I'd love to go in and have a chat. But it's just so far, the volumes have been so small that we've been sort of direct, but it's no direct sales. With the volume we've got but yeah i think thinking to the future it would be mm. that would be awesome to to stock beautiful beers because yeah you've been buying yeah, I we, love we both, we've both been buying from there for years mm. that'd be awesome when you've been going there buying stuff then you can get your own beer in there is it only available through your own website at the moment yeah that's it um, well actually we have recently stocked um a small amount into the purple pantry in a village called tuddenham that's very close to where we live but yeah otherwise just yeah just direct through the website well anyway i've opened the cider yeah we wanted to have the cider as well we've never done a cider when we've been talking to breweries because it is that's there's no reason why we shouldn't it'd be fascinating to sort of learn a bit more about cider and find out well yeah i mean the only i i used to drink cider years ago but not for a long time it's the sort of thing you drink when you're at university and that sort mm. of stuff isn't it so <laughs> i won't lie my knowledge about cider is is uh, it is I not very great at all. All I know is it tastes good. So why don't you tell us about it? What's the what's the batch code on the can that you're drinking? Is it Lax or D forty seven? I've got D forty seven. D forty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Because um, the so last season I I got was what was it four hundred and something kilos of yeah about that. Yeah. I filled up my poor Ford Fiesta twice and 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 with two hundred kilos each time of Laxton apples. So these apples come from a from a, a children's home uh, in Cambridgeshire. I have a, a very nice uh, contact on that estate. Uh, yeah, so thanks, Jonathan, if you ever listen to this. So Laxton apples, it's a, yeah, it's a single variety ferment. And I split the batch two ways. One was just left to, to go wild. So that's the yeasts just in the environment, on the equipment, on the on the apples, whatever take, takes a foothold, just rides the storm and that's your wild ferment. The other half was fermented with a white wine yeast called a, a D47. I chose that because it's it can kick out some mild tropical notes and it gives a bit of body because it produces some glycerol, which is a it's a good substance to give you some mouthfeel, some like extra thick mouthfeel. And I, I, I chose that because my sodas are very dry. I ferment to complete complete dryness. I don't add back any sugar uh, at packaging. So because I go through a secondary ferment, uh, any sugar I add back at packaging gets fermented, and that's to carbonate the beer inside the can, or sorry, to carbonate the cider. It's the same for beer as well. So it's a very dry cider. Um, it's it's quite clean and crisp, and you're tasting one apple, uh, the character of one apple. Yeah, we, that's the second year running that we've been using the Laxton apples. 
for cider, really, it's all about the balance between uh, acidity and the tannins. So the tannins will give you the mouthfeel. They'll coat your tongue and give you the sort of dry dryness and pastiness in your mouth. And there's a good, you need a good balance between the two. The apples in this part of the country, by and large, aren't very tannic. Now, that's that's not completely true, but it depends on what you can get, right? So, but the, yeah, the true cider apples, they can be um, quite challenging to to eat on their own and to drink a single variety. So there's a lot of blending to, to get the acidity and tannins just right. It'd be interesting to, to drink the, the two ciders that I'm currently yeah. offering because, yeah, they, it's exactly the same juice. It's just yeah, different fermentation. So you can you be able to appreciate the what a, what a wild fermentation, the difference. Yeah, it would be interesting makes. to put, get them side by side. Well, I agree with I agree with all of that. Yes, it is dry, lots of mouthfeel. Um, it's really nice. Yeah, I think you've described it better there than uh, than any of us could. No, I was I, all I was going to ask is sort of, obviously when you get ones that are a lot sweeter. Now I'm not talking like Copperberg or something where wood, I know it's all synthetic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are a lot of ciders out there which will sort of be that bit sweeter is that almost the equivalent of when we have beers now with lactose and the adjunct adding and, mm. and that kind of thing and, and it's sort of not really yeah. traditional in the sense so traditionally you would halt the fermentation before it was completely finished so you'd have some residual sugar but then you would need to stabilize that cider which means you basically kill off the microbes and so you stabilize the cider it's got some residual sweetness and then it would typically be still but if you want to carbonate your cider, any additional sugar is going to be consumed. The reason my cider is dry is because any remaining sugar, that, uh, when it's packaged, will be fermented and then converted into gas. So that, that gas is the, the cider in the can. If I wanted to sweeten my ciders, I could, um, but I would need to either force carbonate and, and filter the microbes and force carbonate or do it still instead. Well, and I also like the fact that the way Rachel, if I could find, well, I do have a lovely wife who does look at me the same way when I talk about beer, but the way you look at Luke when he talks about cider was quite, it was quite impressive, actually. You can see that um, you're, you're fully on board of all of it, even if it, would I be right in suggesting perhaps it's not your style? Are you just more happy on the Hefeweizen than you would be on the... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge cider drinker, but I do like, I do like seeing how the wild mm. products turn out because mm. there's just so little control in that. And we do put a lot of labor into the cider. Luke goes and collects the apples, but then we spend a full backbreaking day processing the apples. Um, and it's it's a it's a lot of manual labor. Um, so and, it makes me appreciate it more. And did I read that your batches that you get are only between twenty and sixty liters? Was that right with the cider? Yeah, so that has slightly increased um, last season. Uh, Two hundred actually. Yeah, well, approaching 200 litres. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, oft, I'll often um, pour a cider or pour something of mine, and I won't tell Rachel what it is, and then I'll go into the living room and like, here, try this, try this, and I'll just try and get an honest reaction, and I've done that a lot with the ciders, <laughs> especially as they're ageing, because they, they do benefit after a few months of ageing. How have yeah, the reactions been? You have been? to catch me when I'm not eating and, and it messes everything up. Or sometimes he's caught me after I've brushed my teeth and that doesn't help either. <laughs> so I, get, I guess this really is a hobby for you guys and you're not really impacted in any way whatsoever um, from what's going on in the industry at the moment with closures no. and all of this. It, it, you, can, you can just carry on as you were, if you like. It's, it's a really enviable yeah. position to be in, actually. Definitely been a very good learning opportunity for us uh, just because watching what, what's been happening, 
makes us realize that we we don't want uncontrolled growth and we don't want to go beyond the confines of mm. where we are now just because we we also don't want that sort of risk exposure we don't we don't really want to to risk at all mm. is there ever a scenario where this does become more and it's for frontline or would you rather just have your two jobs and you could just grow organically and just put a bit more beer and a bit more cider out there in the world and you just that's that's enough we yeah, try but, try to imagine like yeah. 400 liter scale-ish and what we could achieve at the weekends and evenings but i mean never say never we we're, we're always open to the possibilities I in the love, future i'm very happy to go part-time and be part, part-time. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think your boss would let you but if yeah. you want to go part-time <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in i'm in yeah. you heard it here first folks I like the fact that when you said, oh, what I could do on weekends and evenings, there was no sort of thought given that perhaps someone else could come in to help you. It was like, no, we're going to do it. We just keep doing it all ourselves. Are you tempted yeah. Are you tempted at some point to try some sour beers? Ooh, uh, my appre- I'm working on my appreciation for those. I think it was only this year that we actually started enjoying sour beers. I don't know. We, yeah, what's, what's the one in Wisbeach? The Pastoral? Pastoral, yeah, awesome. Pastoral, yeah. We're, di- we're slowly dipping our toes in. I'm sure we'll get there eventually, but we need to we need to develop a better appreciation. Well, the whip beer beers. certainly works. I just finished that, and I loved it. I've just opened the cider now. That was really nice. It was different enough, so you could tell it had Belgian heritage, but it was a twist on it, which I thought was really, really good. Thank just with, with what Dave said there about sours, the other thing I would say is a lot uh, – the cider sort of generally always comes in a little bit higher on ABV. Any mm. interest in doing stuff really – the high ABVs, the nines, tens, and beyond. There's a different set of parameters when you have to do that kind of thing. But is that interesting, or are you more interested in yeah. just sessionable beers and, and Rachel's strength? face tells me she wants some higher ABV beers. <laughs> well, I suppose this. if you like Belgian beer, Rachel, a ten percenter yeah. is is nothing, is it? A quarter, a triple. Uh, just... Well, yeah, I'd have one or two and off to bed. I'd... <laughs> <laughs> Make it makes for a cheap evening, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I do like um, a very rich stout. So I, I would like to do yeah, probably a nut, some form of nut stout. Probably amplify the brown ale recipe to the point where it's where it's a stout. But yeah, at the moment, I my ABV range is typically between four and a half and six. That's kind of where I float. And yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I I don't really have interest in the double and triple IPAs at the moment. I I do like hoppy beers, but I I don't go that far. We're actually kind of interested on the other end of the spectrum, um, the table beer. Mm. Uh, we mm. we did try to do a table beer last year. It did not end up being a table beer. Um, <laughs> but I really want something that's enjoyable to drink. Yeah, we had the Colonel table beer the other weekend. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, I I would I would really like a nice table beer that I can have two or three and then not have to worry about the drive home. Yeah, that that's on the top of our list of things. To Without make. leading the witnesses, which I amazingly didn't, I was sure when we were asking about beer influences, the Colonel would come up at some point within brewing. They are the gold standard. Like brewers just look to them. They caught my attention because they're bottle mm. conditioning as well, um, even, you know, even for the size they are. So quite interesting. And we, I had a, a multi-pack uh, delivery from the from them. What was it? A couple of months ago. Yeah, we drank it over Christmas. Yeah, um, yeah. Sounds like you had a great Christmas. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. you had a lot. <laughs> yeah, we both had the week off, and I think we just drank a lot of beer yeah. and ate a lot of food, and it was a good time. That's what it's for. Well, I've yeah. just opened your citrus beer. Ooh, okay. 
Wow. That's a new one. Yeah. Wow, that, that is that's very punchy, isn't it? It's, I, I say citrus beer because it obviously has it. it has, it's got citra, no mm. doubt, or chinook, and but it also has zest from. In this case, it's well, it's got four four of the classic citrus, but I think I put a lot more lemon and grapefruit in this one. That, yeah. that's the one where I requested it to to kind of be a little bit like Elvis juice. I'm gonna tweak the the levels of the the, the zest going in future recipes. I. I think next time I'm going to up the line, just see what I can get, and put a lot more squeezed juice in as well. But that will add a lot of acidity, so I'm not quite sure how that's going to turn out, but I, I want to do it. And I want a citrus beer that's really kind of, you know, bursting with a citrus hop character as well as the fruit, the real fruit themselves. From the minute you open the can and you move the pour it out, move the glass closer to your nose, you can really smell that, that, that citrus fruit. That's, that's awesome. Cool. It does exactly what it says on the can, and we love that. We get really annoyed mm. if beers don't don't achieve what they set out to do, but this this does. It's really good. Thank you. So I, I guess that you get instant feedback from people drinking your beers. You don't get a lot of that. That you haven't had a lot of that up until this point. Yeah, it, yeah, it's true. We there's there's only so many sales in the local area. Yeah, there's um, so, only so many family and friends you can try your beer out on. I guess. <laughs> And so many of our friends don't actually drink beer, so it makes it even more challenging. Yeah, I, yeah. If there's any listeners out there that's willing to give me critical feedback, please go ahead because you can just say the truth. So my, my dad is, my dad's pretty honest, so that's good. My, my dad isn't afraid to, to to be critical, and he, my dad's a drinker, so that's, that's where I get it from. And yeah, we know if his dad likes it, we know it's a good beer. <laughs> <laughs> Would there ever be any interest? I think this would mean you'd have to not be working full-time of having a brew tap or anything like that never say never right never say never um look at him it's only because he wants the it's only because he <laughs> wants to go there himself <laughs> we're not going to put any limitations on ourselves things gonna happen we'd usually ask the question at this point where do you want to be like in 12 months five years 10 years but you're quite happy really as it is at the moment which is a lovely mm. lovely place to be actually yeah. I mean, we do we do have that um, plan to eventually upscale, and I have calculated that we could comfortably do it in the next two to three years. So that that's the only goal that we're currently moving towards. But you know, we're just enjoying the journey, and um, we're not in any rush. Well, to just go along at your own speed, I think, is really important. Yeah, it's it's definitely an advantage, advantageous position to be in. I've I mean, I've been listening to, uh, I think, all of your episodes, and um, is, is it Nick Law's podcast as well, and mm. just the brewery closures, and yeah, I try to, I keep an eye on what's going on, and yeah, it's it's tricky, right? There's there's a lot, there's for the small percentage that craft beer is appealing to, it's it's quite oversaturated, and yeah, the, your point about the business, like running before you can walk, is yeah, is quite interesting. We don't have to so worry about that. I guess we can just take it as it comes, and mm. yeah, grow, grow organically feels like that's the best place to be in at the moment now because and also the people that we've talked to along the way the people that we've talked to who are actually quite happy in their in their lane and growing as they grow are all still going those who have overextended unfortunately but and you know twist the wheel they were one of a few it seems that yeah if you do run before you can walk there is now price being paid whereas if you've been playing the pragmatic long game i think there's there's something to be said for that now yeah, and uh, I I feel like I'm very pragmatic. I, I just don't like being stressed out. And if we put it all in the brewery, I feel like I would be stressed out. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather I'd rather just 
you know, be able to easily fall asleep at night. Absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. Is there anything that we haven't brought up that you want to talk about? You use this as your platform to uh, <laughs> sell your wares or whatever you want to discuss. Uh, no, not really. I mean, thank you both for having us. It's, yes, thank it's, you. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's pleasure. We, we listen to your podcast constantly. Oh, this, oh, that's this, nice. is our, this is our com- our commuting podcast when we're driving into Cambridge. Oh, that's <laughs> excellent. That's what we like to hear. What We both get more excited by having um, a small brewery on in the early stages than some big players that everybody knows about. I, I would say that I, I think I'm going to type a newsletter starting this spring and I'll, I'll try and aim to do a quarterly you know, update just to, to talk about business, uh, future recipes, experimental releases, and just like general brewing life. Um, there's only so much you can get across on social media. You know, yeah. it, it's fun, but you, you can't, you know, it's not it's not that personal. So if, you, yeah, if you're interested in following us, just um, go to the front page on the website and sign up with your email. And I'm, yeah, I'm aiming to get something out in the spring and, and thereafter every few months. If you type in Biochemist Brewery, it should come up. Yeah, we've got an online uh, shop. So I, I I tend to do a good job of stock, available stock. It is up to date. And I will be releasing the next Hefeweizen, hopefully in a week or two. It's conditioning right now. And the next brown brown ale, the batch of brown ale will follow, let's say, um, three weeks later. So, yeah, there's about, there's two ciders and five four or five beers at the moment in the shop so you can expect a couple more in, in a month's time and we have t-shirts yeah. excellent yeah cool geeky cool geeky t-shirt with some chemical structures on yes yeah. i saw those i did like the look of those and we should say as well that postage postage is free isn't it with uh, your deliveries yeah i yeah i've just arranged the, the the pricing in the shop so you just click in click in groups of three or you could just get a mix pack and yeah, it's just it is what it is. You, you you can add it up in your head as you go along. I love that because mm. me in particular, I hate paying postage. It really knocks me. And I know yeah. we we had a discussion about this. Yeah, what do we do? Yeah, we. I think there was several several nights um, where we stayed up um, arguing about how we were going to do shipping costs, and eventually we just came to the conclusion: we'll build it into the price of the beer, not have to worry about it because there's nothing there's nothing worse than you come to the end mm. of your shopping cart and then. There's added costs. Exactly. We hate that. Other people hate that. We're not going to do that. Yeah. No, that's a very sensible approach. Get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at DaftAboutCraft1. Right. Well, it's the time of the podcast where we welcome one half of the Copper Beach Brewing Company from Kidderminster in Worcestershire. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Hello. Thanks for having me back. What story have you got? for us and our listeners this time i have another funny one that again you bore witness to (laughs) and so i thought this would be quite a funny one for us to chat about and it's going back to it must have been the latter end of 21 uh, because i was still pregnant with delilah we had a little get together as we often do and part of these get togethers we often sit and share cans of beer between us so that everybody gets a little bit of a taste of everything and one of the beers that was in the stash that you brought along was a chocolate orange stout yeah chocolate orange stout from little critters it was a beer that was very similar to your yes, own basically half moon, you said oh this is quite similar to our half moon which is we don't like to call it a chocolate orange stout even though it's inspired by jaffa cakes because it's not you won't get big flavors of chocolate yeah. or orange from it but we like to call it a zesty yeah. uh, chocolate stout because yeah so you said oh yeah this is really similar so we had the bright idea to make dan blind taste half moon against 
little critters. It's such fun when you do this to brewers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm useless at identifying things blind. And it turns out that, well, maybe Dan isn't that good either. <laughs> you'd like to think when you're I'd like to think that I could pick one of my haircuts if those who don't know I'm a hairdresser by trade and I could pick one of my haircuts out in a lineup I'd like to think that I could do that we're gonna have to put this to the (laughs) test at some point too (laughs) but yeah so obviously we um we got the glasses and we popped the same amount in each and we made him smell them and sip them and his immediate gut reaction was that he chose his own he said this one's mine we are wind-up merchants by nature, aren't we? So we were sort of Indeed. giggling and uh, and then he, he sort of started to second-guess himself. So he was smelling it again and sipping it again. Oh, oh, actually, um, oh, well, this one tastes a bit more like orangey and then this one tastes a bit more like, oh, no, this one's mine. Changed his mind, didn't he? The other one. Yep. This one's mine. This one's definitely mine. And we were like, you sure? You sure? And this went on for some time, didn't it? Oh, ages, because he just wouldn't commit, would he? No. He kept going... I just don't know. I just don't know. Which was just very funny because, yeah, like you say, you... But which one did he settle on in the end? I think he did settle on theirs. I think he did. Which I think was why it was so hilarious because his initial taste, he picked his own and said, this is mine. Yeah. And he was absolutely correct, but... As time went on, he confused himself so much. Yeah, and it just goes to show that if you put the power of persuasion and suggestion into somebody's head, you can easily change their mind. Oh, it, yeah. So easy. Yeah, it was hilarious. And obviously, the interesting thing is that when we we all tasted it, they were very similar. They were. They have very simi- similar characteristics. But we didn't, ma- we didn't make either of the beers, did we? Either. No, that's true. That is true. But he's not actually a stout fan, is he? That's the, that is true, that's the other thing. <laughs> So can't even pick his own out of a lineup. Anyway, you've now got full moon out there, not half moon, full moon. We have indeed, yeah. Full moon is out, which is a... We've dropped the orange out of that one, really. This is a straight-up big imperial stout. Straight-up, 8 percenter, yeah, really nice, really sort of rich. And we had an untapped review recently that said this is exactly how a stout should taste. That's what you want, isn't it? Perfect. (laughs) Okay, it's time for this now. It's the part of the podcast that we call Tried and Tested. And this is where we tell you about our favourite beer since our last episode. Anyone who follows me or has probably listened to enough episodes knows that I am an incredibly harsh judge as a rule of thumb and no more so than on Untapped. So for me to actually give a beer a five on Untapped is pretty unheralded. Well, I did think somebody had stolen your phone or something when when it happened. And there were comments to that effect when I checked this in and gave it a five, <laughs> which just sort of shows what people think when I review beers. But um, the beer that earned this was Calm Before the Storm from Wonder Beyond, who we did have on a couple of months ago. And this is an Imperial Double Coffee 10% breakfast out. Now... I don't much care for breakfast stouts. I think they're okay, but I think generally they taste a coffee and that's about it. I don't get a lot out of them. However, I got so much out of this. There was molasses in there. There was a bit of rum and raisin almost to go with the coffee. The sugar was in there. It was sweet, but it was almost burnt. It just had so many flavours to go with it. And while it was sweet, it wasn't super sweet. It wasn't sort of lactose or anything like that. It all worked together and it was also incredibly smooth. So when you put it all together, I just sort of thought, well, there's no way I can fault this. Giving it a 4.9 or something is just being <laughs> picky for picky's sake. There's nothing wrong with this beer at all. Wow. So it had, it had to get a five. It's a great beer. 
And if you like that style, you should definitely get it. And even if you don't, and you want to sort of dabble in something different, I'd say get it and you won't be disappointed. Sounds like one to get hold of from Wonder Beyond, especially before they leave the country and head off to pastures mm. new in Europe. Uh, well, I'm going the other end of the scale, a 3.5% pale. And this was from Glasshouse in Birmingham. And it is a beer I've had a few times, but I really, really, really enjoyed it more than ever this time. It's called Bringing Seshi Back. And we were actually on a bit of a session when I had this beer. We went to 10 pubs on this day, and it was they went out midweek for my neighbour's birthday. And uh, we did a sort of little tour of Birmingham, ended up in another couple of pubs close to home. And you know when you've had a few beers and you think, oh, I don't want too much here, I want to try and stay stay with it. I thought this will go down really well, 3.5% beer. And it did, it just really flew down i could have had a few actually but i didn't i tried to stay sensible and it, it just tasted so good really really sessionable just a really well balanced session pale you could have drunk it all day but uh, it was good so if you see that anywhere glasshouse beer company from birmingham bringing seshi back have a few of those you won't regret it i'm sure two quick takeaways from your beer there dave one glasshouse's can art needs to be applauded that Every time I see that now, I keep thinking it is something from America. Whoever's doing their can art has really nailed it. It stands out a mile now. looks awesome. And the other thing is, you say you had one 3.5% beer because you were being good, but anyone who could see you on Facebook, thanks to your neighbour, <laughs> could tell that that actually was quite a good session because you fell asleep on the train home. Oh, yeah. Look, I fell asleep for about 10 seconds and he got a picture. <laughs> jammy, the jammy git. So we haven't done a hype or tripe for ages, but it's time to do this now. And now it's time for hype or tripe. Well, we usually have a look at a beer that's doing the rounds. Everybody's talking about it. And we say, is it good? Is it bad? Is it hype or is it tripe? So you could have picked putty or something, but that's... You could have done. You could have done, but that's a bit outdated now we haven't seen anything else although oakum citra unfiltered came onto our radar just recently we thought about doing that but we've gone for a hypo tripe with a difference tell everybody about it dave really we're not as hyped about the beers what we are more hyping or triping is something that we have been talking about for many many episodes which is the size of a can so when you're having your big 11% stout some people quite happily get through a 440 and, and that is you know dealer's choice but not everyone wants to and Dave and I have certainly talked about them and thought well when you get in that kind of size can for that size beer it would almost be nicer to share it so you don't really want that big a can on your own and brew by numbers seem to have listened so what they've gone for is actually when i see these cans you think of gin and tonics and things like that yes those sort of ready-made ones it's that size isn't it the ones you buy for the train from the station from marks and spencers Exactly. So it's 250 mil cans. So they're the tall, thin ones for a sort of visual aid. I've gone for an apricot Belgian pale, which is only 6.5%, but we'll get to why I've gone for that in due course. But Dave, you've gone straight in and you've taken Brew By Numbers up on their offering that they sent us because we got in touch and said, look, we think this is a great idea. Why did you think it was a great idea as well? And we will find out from them 
why they think it's a great idea, but on the next episode... Well, I've gone for the barrel-aged Imperial Baltic Porter, which is 11%. And these 250ml cans were made for beers like this, weren't they? Because I don't want to sink four four. I don't want to sink the best part of, of a pint of an 11% beer on my own. But 250ml, nice, pour it out, drink it on your own. It's indulgent, but not too much. It's just right. That's, that's, that's the thinking. And uh, we're going to put that to the test. And then, like you say, next episode, uh, managing director from Brew by Numbers, Tom, is going to come on and have a full-length talk about this and the brewery. But for now, we're just going to you know, crack open these 250ml cans and see what we think. I mean, given that we've sort of campaigned for these smaller cans for big beers, I mean, we're already in the hype camp, really. Yes, this is a win, isn't it? The beer itself isn't important. Obviously, we want good beer, but what we're we're more happy with and want to just road test is possibly actually my beer is a better road test because it's a six and a half percent pale which you know i can drink a 440 of and frequently do and it's not a problem so am i going to be more excited about having a 250 because then i suppose you can extrapolate and think well i could have two of these (laughs) <laughs> Do you know, I was thinking this earlier. It's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Which rather undermines our whole argument yeah. at the same time. But, but I think my beer is perhaps a better test of the style than or the size rather than yours. Yeah, because... we know we don't want masses of this. Hmm. But will will this smaller can make you drink your slightly weaker beer more slow? It's also worth pointing out that at 250, they've lent it to a Belgian pale here. Now, if we were in Belgium and you wanted a pale and you asked for it and you got a traditional Belgian and you had a small, it probably would be 275. Mm. And yet when you're out in Belgium and they give you that, you don't think, oh, I've been shortchanged. I want no. You quite enjoy having the size. So I'm hoping that I'll just enjoy this and think, oh, I didn't actually need all that additional liquid. This is this has been quite enjoyable. I've got to say, Dave, this is amazing. Oh, is it? So this is a collab with Bimber Distillery. It's just everything you want it to be. Very little um, head on there, so hardly any carbonation whatsoever. But it is just so perfectly balanced. The fact that it is in this can... It gives me just the right quantity. You, I can just sip away at this, sip away until it's gone, and then just go to bed. And you don't need to share it. And I don't need to share it, no. Although Brew by Numbers were so kind with the beers they sent us, I have actually got two of these. But I will resist the temptation to go in for a second one, because oh, that is lovely. That is really, really good. You can taste the barrel ageing, but it's not harsh or abrasive. It's just softly there in the background. That is really, really lovely. So I've not had a bad beer from them. And even though they've somehow, they are in supermarkets, yet also somehow people still don't seem to know about them. Yeah. They do fly very much under the radar, I think. Their cans were quite dark and hard to pick from a lineup for a long time, but they've changed that now, haven't they? They're quite sort of vibrant and you can you can pick a Brew by Numbers can out actually quite mm. easily now. Oh, and you certainly pick these out on the shelf because they'll be the only mm. 250s on there. Yeah, exactly. And it should also be pointed out that these small cans come with the appropriate price tag. If you look on Brew by Numbers on their web shop, their small cans are coming in at a good price. 
Well, this is quite an important point given the climate we're in as well now. And, you know, people have less disposable income to spend on luxuries like this. So if you can have a smaller can, take your time with it, enjoy it and pay less, everyone's winning there. Right. So, Dave, the beer that you are drinking is basically a fiver for a can of that. That that can is five pounds. Well, for me, if I was buying that in a 440, and that's an 11% barrel-aged imperial porter, I wouldn't be expecting much change out of a tenner. So to get what is arguably the right quantity for me for a fiver sounds like a bargain to me. I actually come in even cheaper. So the Belgian Pale have also done an apricot version and a damson version, and this is all... All three are a collaboration with our friends at Turning Point, who we've had on before, who are, as we know, very, very good at what they do as well. And the apricot Belgian pale, you can buy a can of it in this size for two ninety five. Oh, wow. But if you're like us and you like to try lots of different beers and you don't necessarily want all that liquid, buying mm. cans of this size quite cheaply and trying lots of different beers seems like a good way to go. I haven't really actually talked about mine, and I will do briefly. Apricot, I find, is a really hard flavour to get through a beer. Mm. What they say on the back is, it's Belgian with a twist. You get the aromas of spice and pine from the Mistral and Barbet Rouge hops, and they're combined with a big dose of apricot. To look at in the glass, it's brilliant. It's a lovely colour. I don't get a huge, huge hit of apricot, but it is there. And I think apricot's actually just quite a subtle flavour. So I reckon they might have put quite a lot in, but for the amount you put in, you get quite a subtle flavour. And it is definitely Belgium. It's got that yeasty Belgian taste to it, yet you can tell they've put their twist on it. The can is high pulled away and the beer is very good too. So I'm perfectly happy. Yeah, it sounds like Brew by Numbers are getting a lot right here, doesn't it? And it'll be really interesting on the next episode to hear what Tom's got to say about the brewery. Really interesting, because like you say, they do have a lot of sales. If you look at their website, there's always offers for 40%, 50% off. I'd be really interested to talk to Tom about that sort of pricing structure and how it works for them. So big win for me. Just delighted to see that this size of can has a place, and I think it it works for me. What I want to find out when we get Tom on is, has he listened to previous episodes of Daft About Craft? What, oh, so it's basically us that have, <laughs> have we <laughs> triggered this this two fifty mil can move? And you can find out exactly what Tom's got to say on our next episode, number 41, which you can download from Monday, March the 6th. So we'll see you then. And also just keep an eye on your podcast providers because we might have some more bonus content coming out between now and that next episode. Be sure not to miss anything from us. But from uh, me and from Dave, we'll catch you soon. Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast.